Hello, good morning. Yeah, I, um, I'm getting over a cough. I've been trying to get over the cough for like maybe 10 days now, but listen, I'm okay. My voice sounds a little, I don't know, deeper than normal, which is not a bad thing, right? Not a bad thing. Right now, I'm actually on a little speaking tour. Today's uh, day 31, and I have about, I think, 52 more days to go. Um, it literally goes coast to coast from Newfoundland all the way to uh, Vancouver Island. So thanks for letting me come hang out. Yeah, and it was super, super good. Um, I'm going to pray for myself. Is that weird? Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Then we'll go from there. Lord God, uh, well, I guess we'll pray for everyone, Lord. Lord, my hope is in this moment, you can speak. Now, Lord, with the little talk we have planned, I know on a surface level, this might come across as very like elementary school. However, my hope is in the next maybe 30 minutes or so, we can look within our own day-to-day life and maybe go beyond the elementary school way of looking at these scriptures and look within ourselves. Are we actually living these commands out? Are we actually putting to practice the fundamental truth of what it looks like to follow you. So speak to us, Lord, please. And help me, help my voice stay strong. Please don't let the little cough get in the way. And may you get glorified through all of this, Lord, not me. In Jesus' name, amen. So about one year ago, I realized something. I'm getting old. Is anyone there yet? You realize maybe you're getting a little bit old. Some of you, you have gotten there, but that's okay. It's just life, right? And here's how I realized I was getting old. Like, I started waking up time to time, and my elbow will hurt. My leg would hurt, and you don't know why. Like, when you were young, if your elbow hurt, and your mom said, hey, how did you hurt your elbow? You can say, oh, I hit it playing soccer. I bumped into something. When you get old, you can no, no longer identify when that pain started or what caused it. And that's when I realized, okay, I need to start taking better care of my body, okay? So I decided around a year ago, let's look into joining a gym. Does anyone go to a gym? Apparently, Simcoe does not have a gym. Okay, so, so, my, my fault. Sorry. Now I'm realizing this story might not connect with anybody. We're going to call the worship team back up and we're done. I love it. So I go to the gym. I've never been to like a real gym before. And I go there and they start asking me like, hey, what are your fitness goals? I told them, like, well, I'm kind of, like, old. They look at my ID, and they're like, yeah, you're getting there. I said one of my goals, I'm starting to develop a little, a little fanny pack down there. I want to take care of it before it turns into a full-size carry-on, you know? So I'm like, help me. So before I signed up, they took me on a little tour. They showed me all the gym equipment. 
they show me like you know where the tanning booth is i'm like i don't need the tan like I just, that's weird to me but no offense and I'm walking around, and it's like, you know, and the gym is a little intimidating. There's a lot of, like, interesting people and characters there. You know, there's always the one person who's, like, gigantically strong. You know, those people, you see them once in a while. They look like they're from the movie The Incredibles. Like, they're just, like, you wonder if they have a job because they're always in the gym. They're a little bit scary. Then, they're like, in the corner, you see, like, this little, like, 120-pound kid Bench pressing like 300 pounds. You're like, how's that possible? Then you realize, oh, he got dumped. Okay, I got it. A little extra motivation to work out, you know? <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens. Every gym kind of has like the gym weirdo. So it's the one that like brings their own rubber bands and like, you know, that does some weird things. I'm looking around not knowing like where I might fit in. Now, notice I did not mention anything about women because I realized in the gym, as a man, women do not exist, okay? You are not allowed to look at them or you will be the gym creeper. It's one thing to be a Facebook creeper, okay? <laughs> That's fine. That's totally fine. The gym creeper, you don't want that, okay? So I do this little tour. I eventually sign up. Now, a normal person might jump right into exercising. Well, I was a little intimidated, so I thought, let's go to the mall. <laughs> now, when I went to the mall, I'm thinking maybe I can buy, like, legitimate, like, workout clothes. You know, I can't just dress like this in the gym. So there's a store in, you know, a mall in, like, London, Ontario, Lululemon. Anyone know that store? <laughs> I don't think it's for men, you know. I don't think. If you ever shop there, by the way, that is a very expensive place to shop. If you go there, you have a very big decision to make. Do I buy pants or do I buy a house? You know, like, it's like you got to really think that one through. But I go to the mall, I buy my workout clothes, and I'm thinking, I'll wait until late at night, 24-hour 20, uh, open 24 hours a day, I'm going late at night thinking maybe no one will be there and I can learn how to work these machines and do my thing. So I show up at like 1 a.m. in the morning and I did that for maybe five or six months straight. I would go and I would work out and just try to push whatever I can and pull whatever I can and do it the way I thought that made sense. And then every time I would work out, I would like put a little message on Instagram complaining how much I hate it and how horrible it is, which is why you guys probably don't work out. You're smarter than I am. And then what happened was one of my buddies, Cam, Cam was one of my junior highs many years ago. I took him to McDonald's like every week. And at some point he realized I need to be a fitness trainer. Okay. So he like completely changed his lifestyle and Cam, the professional athletic director, like he trains like CFL players and celebrities and he's like a big boy. He knows it all. So he said, Mike, next time you're in the Toronto area, I, I run this really high tech, crazy, expensive, beautiful gym. He said, next time you're in the area, like I will teach you some tips. I'll give you some training completely free. I heard free. So I'm like, okay, I'll be there. So I show up, and Cam, 
he has a bench waiting for me. And I'm looking around, I'm like, like, where are the weights? <laughs> like, there's no bar. You go, just lay on the bench and bench press. Like, bench press what? Error? Like, I didn't understand what he was doing. So he put me on this bench. He's like, okay, let me see how you do it. And I'm just like, you know, it's not that complicated. You go like that, right? And for the next maybe 15, 20 minutes, he corrected everything I was doing wrong. He's like, I didn't realize it was that hard to, like, you know, bench press and move your arm a certain way. And then he says, when you do it, I want you to squeeze this and push this and like, you know, breathe at this point. He had lifting air feel like the hardest task in the world. Like I broke out sweating. And then he finally gave me some weights. And he said, I want to see the technique, technique, technique. Teach me how to do it the right way. And every time I would lift, he would say, okay, 12 more, 12 more, 12 more. Like I almost lost my salvation at one point. I was getting so mad at this guy. Okay, he's so upset with this man. And then he starts talking to me afterwards, and he said this. He says, Mike, most people who go to the gym, he said about 90% of the people who go to the gym are not doing it right. Most people don't put the very basic fundamental techniques of working out into their day-to-day -day exercises, and as a result of that, they're not seeing the results that they could possibly see if they did it the right way. And I went into the gym thinking he's going to, like, you know, show me, like, the most advanced techniques of working out. I was hoping he'll put me on one of those celebrity workout plans. Have you seen those ones where people put on, like, 50 pounds of muscle in three weeks? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm going in expecting, like, the most advanced, high-tech training and techniques and all this stuff. And he put me on a bench and said, let's see if you can just do the motion the right way. Now, sometimes we come to church. And maybe we come, we're hoping for those very deep, advanced teachings. We want to learn more if we want to see these results. But then what if we step back a little bit and went back to the basics? Went back to the fundamentals of what it looks like to follow Jesus? Are we getting that part right? Or do we just come to church and kind of do our own thing and kind of try to figure it out our own way? Nothing wrong with that. But maybe along the way, we realize maybe we missed it a little bit. Hmm. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to focus on a scripture in the Bible, a story in the Bible. And you're going to say, man, Mike, this is so basic. We brought you in for this. And that's exactly how I felt when I hung out with Cam. Like I came to Toronto for that. But bear with me, okay? So I'm going to talk a little bit, and then we're, we will do something a little bit weird. Is that okay? Just don't leave. <laughs> I'm going to throw a question your way. When I say a question, I mean three different questions throughout the talk. Now, they're not rhetorical questions. That means you should turn to someone and maybe talk about it for a minute and a half. Is that okay? Is that weird? Yeah, it is weird, but, you know, we'll do it anyways. It's how you make friends. So here's what happens. Here's the story right here on the next slide, please. There we go. What if park here? What if park on the one slide? And then, uh, and then I'll kind of unpack it a little bit, and we'll, we will move forward from here. Now, I need help. Like last time I was here, I'll say one, two, three, ready, read, and we can read out loud, okay? We're going to practice reading out loud. <clears throat> and after that, we can talk to people, okay? 
One, two, three, ready, read. So one of the teachers of the law goes to Jesus and he asks this very big question. Of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Now you have to understand in the culture back then, there was many different religious leaders and every religious leader, they would look at the Torah, they would look at the scriptures and then they might have their own way to apply them. They might have their own interpretation on how to live this out. It wasn't uncommon for maybe one religious leader to look at basic commands in the Bible and maybe say, hey, this is what the most important one is, or this is where we need to put our focus, or this is how you actually apply it to your life. So when one religious leader might bump into another religious leader, sometimes they would ask these weird conversation-starting questions. Of all the commandments, which one is the most important? And what you're trying to do is trying to figure out, hey, are we on the same page? You and that religious leader, do we see the scriptures in the same light? So this person asking Jesus, which one is the most important? Now here's where the story continues. On the next slide, please. Perfect. Thank you so much. I love it. Thank you. One, two, three. Ready? Read. Have you heard that once before? Yeah. Now, if you're in church for the first time, this literally might be the first time you've heard it. But for some of us, maybe you heard this a million times. You're like, again, you're feeling the exact same way I felt when I went to that gym with Cam. Like, that's it? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, this little opening here is actually part of a Hebrew prayer called the Shema. And this prayer is something that the Hebrew people would recite over and over throughout the day. They would say this prayer when they wake up. They would say this prayer when they went to bed. Some scholars believe when they left their house, when they came back home. Over and over and over. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it's just that reminder that the God of Israel is not just the God of Israel. And what I mean by that, because in that culture, they have what they call localized deities. So they felt like if you lived in this region, you had your God. If you lived in that area, you worship this God. If you lived in this area over here, you bow down to that God. So the idea that there's one God is saying the God of Israel, he's the God of the universe. It's not just multiple, but he's the one God above everything. And then it says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Now, can I point something out? This has very little to do with saying, I love God with my lips. And I think a lot of times in church, we do a great job saying, I love God, I love God, I love God. The scripture has very little, if nothing, to do with just saying, I love God with my lips. If you actually put this in practice, what it looks like is making him Lord above all things in your life. 
what it looks like in practice is you are keeping his commands. You are living his way above your way or his way above the culture's way. To demonstrate how we love him is how we actually put this into practice on a day-to-day basis. And I would say maybe in our culture today, maybe we've gotten away from that a little bit. Not you guys. The town over, well, you know, uh, Delhi, we're talking about them. You know, they're getting it wrong. <laughs> That's funny. But the culture, I think, if you look at the research in Canada, has shifted. You go back 120 plus years ago, in Canada, we have what they call the greatest generation. Now, the research they had in that time, the research was from 1904. Something like 89.4% of Canada were Christian. And the culture reflected that. We saw the morals and values of Christianity everywhere, from government to the school system, all over the place. And what seemed to have happened over the years, we went from people who said, yeah, I love God, and I think their life reflected that by their actions, by the way they talked, the way they lived, which impacts literally a nation. But then we start shifting. If you look at one generation from another, you go from a greatest generation, you go to the silent generation, you go to baby boomers, you go to Gen X, you go to millennials, you go to post-millennials, and now we have the alpha generation. And all the research is showing a country that slowly shifted away from God. I would say right now we're probably in a post-Christian country. But the interesting part is you still bump into a lot of people who say, I love God. But their lifestyle might not look any different on a Monday afternoon or a Friday night than someone who doesn't love him. So like I said, this scripture seems very fundamental and very basic, but are we living this out when we leave these doors? Are we living this out in our office? Are we living this out in our school? Are we living this out on our farm? I don't know why I said farm. I'm sorry. (laughs) So remember I said, hey, we might try something weird. I want you to turn to someone beside you. What is one practical way that you can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Practical, okay? Turn to someone around you. I'll give you a minute and a half, and I might want two or three answers, okay? Okay, go for it. Go for it. Don't be shy. One minute. Okay, 30 seconds. I don't have a watch, I'm just guessing. 
10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay. I would love to, this might get more weird. I would love to maybe hear like two or three answers. Is that weird? Yeah, if you're in the back, you might have to yell at us. But any volunteers? What's the practical way that we can love God? Yep, 100%. How we treat others. Yep, I love that. Maybe one more, two more, one more. I was a little ambitious. Oh, sorry. Humility. Humility. Huh. Mm-hmm. I love that. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I should probably run around with a microphone like they used to do on Oprah. For the next round, maybe I'll do that, okay? Yeah, okay, we'll do that in the next round. I'll show you, like, all my gym techniques in practice, how limber I am. Okay. The idea of loving God, though, there's many practical ways to do that. But I think it still comes down to keeping his commands. Now, what I'm going to say, I don't mean it in a negative way. So it's know my heart. Most Christians... Cannot, cannot even list the Ten Commandments. So we can say, of course, you know, it's about keeping His commands, but like many of us don't even know what some of them are. And that's why it's beautiful to come to church and we keep learning about God and the Scripture and what He requires of us. What does that look like? Now, here's a second question. This, is, this one is rhetorical, so don't answer it out loud. If people look at your life, would they say that's someone who loves God? If your boss looked at your life, would he say, that's someone who loves God? If someone you go to school with, would they say, hey, that, that's someone you love God? That waiter or waitress that you see maybe on a weekly basis where you eat your breakfast, would they say, that's someone who loves God? And if they don't say that or can't, then maybe we can look at our own life and go, well, what can I do to display that and live, in, live that out more so people know I love God beyond me just saying it with my lips. Now the scripture continues, okay? Here we go on the next slide, please. One, two, three, ready, read. So love your neighbor as yourself. So the loving your neighbor part, I think for most of us, we're pretty good in this area. There might be the odd person in our life we're not good with. <laughs> but for the most part, loving the average person, we get it. But again, maybe there's this person over here <laughs> or this group of people over here that maybe wronged us in our life. We don't agree with maybe they have different theological views maybe different political views whatever it is and they're a little harder to love you all know what i'm talking about what does loving your neighbor look like practically especially in a biblical way does that mean hey we're just super kind and open a door for someone is that what it means 
I know a lot of atheists who open doors for people. <laughs> what did loving your neighbor mean? Did that mean I shared a gospel with them? Is that loving them? Did loving your neighbor mean like I die to self once in a while and maybe make some sacrifice to maybe help them or walk with them or serve them or be kind to them or go the extra mile to be a light in their life? Again, I know you've heard the scripture a billion times. Love your neighbor. What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? And what does that look like when you put it in action where people, again, can go, wow, that's someone who loved Jesus by the way they treat me. So one more minute. We will turn to someone around us, maybe someone different. This is how you make friends. This is how you get Facebook creepers for sure, but no, no. I'm so joking. I love it. Let's be honest. Everyone's a creeper online, okay? We all Google. I'm like, hey, what was that person's name? Okay, here we go. Turn to someone around you. What does loving your neighbor look like practically? This is all going somewhere, by the way, okay? So go for it. One minute this time. This one might not be as hard to answer. And I will run around with the microphone and give answers. Is this live stream, by the way? I should probably acknowledge that, yeah. So turn to someone around you and answer. And if you're watching on the live stream, maybe talk to someone on your couch. If you're alone, text someone. Maybe jot down the ideas on your phone or notepad. One minute. What does this look like practically? Twenty seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Now the live stream people might hate me. I'm stepping off the stage for a minute. I might disappear. I would love two or three answers. What does this look like practically as a Christian? especially in a post-Christian culture here in Canada, what does loving our neighbor look like on a day-to-day basis? Two or three answers, and I will run around. Hopefully it's not in the back, but I'll run around if I have to. Oh, oh my gosh, okay. Wait, am I allowed to go? Am I going to get electrocuted by the microphone? Yeah, yeah. Accepting them as they are. That's awesome. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. That's true. That's a, that's a good one, actually. I always say, how are you? Or how are you doing? Followed up by, how are you really doing? You know? But you're right. If your neighbor feels that relationship with you enough to say, hey, here's how I'm actually feeling. Here's what I'm actually going through. You're a trusted person in my life to share that with. That's love. I like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, I like that. Yeah, so pray that God is with you and before you and in that. I love that. Maybe one more answer, and then I'm going to get to maybe a harder question. One more? No more? Okay, I'm jumping back on stage. Okay, awesome. Now, again, this might be a a topic where I don't think we struggle with as much as the next part. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Do you love you? Love your neighbor as yourself. And the as yourself part, we see on the next slide here, like over and over, it's throughout the scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself, as yourself. It's not just love your neighbor. As yourself. Do you love you? Now, here's a challenge with that conversation. First of all, if you go on Google and type, on, type out sermons, how to love yourself, there's like three. We don't talk about this a lot in church because if you go too far on one side on this conversation, then you put yourself above others. You're the center of your own universe. Maybe you have like a, an egoistic kind of narcissist type you know, way of seeing the world. Like, I love me. Everyone needs to love me. We're not talking about that. That's an extreme case. Now, some of us in this room might struggle with that, just us being human. This is a part of learning what it means to be in Christ and dying to self. But then there's also the other extreme over here where there's people who can't love themselves at all. And one of the challenges we see in our younger culture today with young people, they're struggling with hating themselves. They feel like they have no value. They feel like they have no worth. They can't look in the mirror and say positive things about themselves. They're comparing their life with other people, and typically the people they compare their lives with are people who might be like the extreme, like best of the best, and like maybe certain skill sets or you know, top of the class or whatever it is. A lot of studies and reports will say for young people, they're in this category. Now, that doesn't just apply for young people. Do you love yourself? And what does that mean, maybe in a centered category of like, how do you love yourself in a biblically practical way? I'm going to wrap this up, okay? But not before one more question, okay? A minute and a half. This might be a little harder to answer. What is a practical way that you can love you? Not how others can love themselves, but how you as an individual, what is a practical thing that you can do to help love yourself? So turn to someone. I'll give you one and a half minutes, and then we will answer, okay? Go for it. And then I'll wrap this up. One more minute. Maybe twenty seconds. <clears throat> okay, ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Again, I would love two or three responses. I know for some of you, that was horrible, having to talk to someone and think and respond. 
but it just makes us maybe take this message a little deeper for our own personal life. So maybe two or three answers, and then I'll bring this to a close, I promise, okay? Anyone brave enough? What is one way to love ourselves in a biblical way? What do we got? That's a huge one. Forgive yourself the way God forgives you. Yeah, there's a lot of people who maybe in their past, maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they did something they regret. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just one. (laughs) And they hold that against themselves. It's funny. Sometimes we do a great job forgiving others. But when it comes to ourselves, we don't let ourselves off the hook. We don't forgive ourselves. We walk around with that guilt. And I think psychology will say, like, that could really hinder us. Mm-hmm. Forgive yourself. That's amazing. Thank you. I saw another hand. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> so don't, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is dying. Okay. Don't compare yourself to others. Yeah. Or don't feel the need, I need to to be like that person or exactly like that person. And I think we all do it. You know, whether you're a young person in school, you're comparing yourself to maybe the best athlete or maybe the smartest kid in class. If you're in the work field, maybe you're comparing yourself to the business down the road and making more money or maybe their employees are more happy. Maybe in your church life, you're looking at people who've been following Jesus for like 50 years and you're brand new, but you're looking at them going, oh, they have it more together than I do. Well, they've been doing it longer than you. That's okay. But sometimes the comparison trap, we fall into this mindset where I'm not good enough, or I'll never be like them. Therefore, why try? Why try to thrive in life? Why try to move forward? Whatever that looks like. The comparison trap can, yeah, if you can stop comparing yourself to others, that can be a really great way to love yourself. It really is. It sets you free from so many things. That's a whole different sermon itself. You can preach it next week. Okay, so we go. Here we go. I love it. Maybe one more answer. So say that one say that one more time. Yep. To accept yourself as God has made you. Yeah. And that's hard. And that maybe that maybe connects you to the comparison part. Yeah. I think there's so many different ways we can love ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually in a biblical, healthy way. Where we're not going too far on this side, too far on the other. Whether it's forgiving yourself, whether it's not comparing yourself to others, whether whether it's accepting yourself. Maybe for some of us, loving ourselves means maybe we do have to take care of our body a little differently than we have. Maybe for some of us loving ourselves, we need to take care of our mind a little better than we are. And that might mean maybe talking to a professional or a counselor because that can maybe can help us. Maybe loving ourselves just simply means we need to stop doing something that you know is a little destructive. Or in some cases, we need to start doing something, maybe a way to love yourself is just to stop for a moment and say, I'm allowed to rest. (laughs) A way to love yourself says, I shouldn't feel guilty if I take my family on vacation. (laughs) You can do that. 
There's a great place down the road, London, Ontario. That's a great vacation spot. <laughs> Love yourself. And I end this way by saying, the story continues. So here's what happened on this scripture here. Here's how the conversation ends. One, two, three, ready, read. So they wrap this up. Here's what happens. He answers this question. They have this dialogue. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, I, I don't believe, if you understand the Hebrew culture, I don't think it's talking about heaven. I don't, I don't think he's saying you are not far from heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God here and now, the blessing of God, the fullness of life that you can hear, have here on earth. And you're not far from it, which makes me wonder, he said the right answer. But is he actually doing it? He said the right thing, but you're not far. <clears throat> and maybe for some people in this room, we've heard the scripture before. We've heard it a million times. We're no different than the Hebrew people saying the Shema. We heard they repeated that scripture every single day over and over and over and over and over. But we see in the Old Testament, they missed it. And maybe we know it, but we're not doing it. We're not putting these fundamental pieces of our Christian life into practice. And maybe for some of us, we're slightly missing the kingdom of God and the blessings we have to truly follow him here in this world, right here and now. Maybe I'll invite the worship team back up, but I go back to that story. So here I am working out with Cam. And if you know me, like I have a weird sense of humor. You guys know that already. And sometimes my sense of humor can be very dramatic in these situations. So like at one point, He's having me lift, like, you know, a, a bar, push this, push that. But he's like, squeeze this. And it was so hard. It was so hard. And I'm complaining. Doesn't surprise anyone. I'm trying to make it super embarrassing for him so he will quit. So every time I'm lifting a weight, I'll be, like, screaming, like, as loud as I can. I wasn't embarrassed, but he was a little bit. I was hoping he would walk away. It was a great strategy. But he kept saying, 12 more, 12 more, 12 more. <laughs> yeah. And here's what he said as I'm, as I'm complaining. It's very basic, but he said, Mike, no one can do this for you. No one can bench press for you and get the results that you can have with your own body. No one can leg press for you. Nobody can do bicep curls for you. I can teach you how to do it. But it's up to you on a day-to-day -day basis putting these principles into action and being committed and being consistent. You heard good things this day. Not my sermon. I'm talking about Cam. <laughs> you heard great teaching on like how to lift and do all that, but no one can do it for you. You have to make a very intentional decision to live this out. And if you do this on a consistent basis, you might start seeing changes you might start seeing the impact. You might start seeing the benefits. 
And it's no different with a scripture like this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Actually love your neighbor. And don't forget about yourself. And the reality is no one can do that for you. I I can't love God for you. I can't love your neighbor for you. I can't love yourself for you. But if you look at these scriptures and say, what does this look like on a day-to-day basis? What does it look like to keep his commands? What does it look like to extend myself to others? What does it look like to treat myself once in a while in a biblical way? And what if he did that on a consistent basis? So maybe not just on a Sunday morning, but on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What if he did that for the next year? What if he do that for the next 10 years? Would you see results that come out of it? Maybe your life starts to change because you start shifting your focus on not just saying, I love God, but now your actions are really demonstrating that. Maybe the impact of you living this out means your neighbor, the person you work with, the person you go to school with, maybe they come to Christ because of you loving them. Or maybe you're in a situation for the last couple years, you have been beating yourself up for something. You're struggling with loving who you are and it's having a toll, a ripple effect in many areas of your life. What if you learn, what does that look like? How does God want me to love me? Because that might have a domino effect on how we can better love others and maybe better love God. So I don't know what this means for you, because I know, super basic message, but man, if we live this out, if we could take just one thing today and put it into practice, how would that transform your life? Would your life look different tomorrow afternoon when you live this out? Would it look different 12 months down the road, five years down the road? But it's up to you doing something with it. I'm going to pray. And we'll go from there. Lord God, thank you for this moment. I know we went a little bit long, but that's because the people chatted so much. They had so much fun. (laughs) But seriously, Lord, um, I know on a surface level, this message is so basic. Because some of us are probably no different than the Hebrew people. We've heard this a thousand times. We've said it a thousand times. But the reality is we live in a culture here in Canada right now where we look out beyond these doors. And maybe it's not as obvious that people love you. Maybe when people look at myself and look at ourselves, maybe they have no idea we love you, period, in our office, at school, in our community. So is there maybe one thing that we can put into practice that better demonstrates our love for you? Lord, are there people in our lives that we need to be more intentional about showing your love too. And if there is, maybe you can put names on our heart, bring people to our mind 
and trust that you brought that person into our life to love them. But not just love, but with the hope that they will see you through it. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who says, yeah, I got the loving God part. I got the neighbor part. But when it comes to loving me, maybe that's the challenge. Maybe that's the hard part. What does that look like in a healthy way? So Lord, if we need to forgive ourselves, help us forgive ourselves. If we need to maybe pick up a passion or a hobby, like that's a way to love ourselves. If we need to take a break, if we need to start speaking positivity into our life, if we need to understand how valuable we are, Maybe always look at the cross and what your son Jesus did for us. He died because he saw how worthy every individual here is. If your son saw us that in that light, then we do have value. So help us look at ourselves in a positive way. But Lord, whatever we do with this, my hope is we do something. No one can do this for us. And may we be consistent in doing this and living this out. And my hope is we can look back and see how we've grown, how it maybe changed us in some ways. Maybe we start seeing the results of keeping these very basic fundamental commands. Lord, may we not just hear the word this morning, but may we be wise and do it. In Jesus' name, amen.